What's cool, good people? It's your girl, Stace Dillon, a.k.a. St. Francis, a.k.a. Penelope Goldtooth, and you're now listening to Officially Outed Podcast. Welcome to the Officially Outed Podcast. And so we're going to start off, we're going to kick into this. I wanted to know, why don't you introduce who Stace Dillon is and tell us the meaning behind St. Francis. Uh, Stace Dillon is is me, 100%. Actually, the name came about in like a really weird way. Um, at first, it was Jane Dillon because my grandmother's name is Jane. And I love Bob Dillon, so I was going to take the two. And then I had a dream that I was at Coachella. And they said, Stace Francis Dillon. So that I woke up in the morning and I was like, this is the name. So St. Francis is just kind of like, uh, it's the S-T and then Francis. But I thought St. Francis would be dope just because, you know. Yeah, no, I love it. I like it. And so we're going to start talking about the music. So what I do know about you is you write and produce. So tell me. What drew you to the music industry? Like, when did you know that you had that passion to, or at least that passion to want to be in music? And then what prompted you to go down the path of, I mean, you're an artist, but also writing and producing. Um, It started with The Lion King, um, the circle of life, just hearing like Elton John for the first time. It's not like I hadn't heard any music before then. But when I heard that, I was like, yo, this is crazy because I was a little kid and I was like, what? What is this? I've never heard like it's a cartoon, but it's like real lush and it's grand. So I asked my dad, like, you know, who's singing and all that. So he got me the little soundtrack cassette. Okay. So I used to listen to it all the time, all the time, all the time. But um, when we first moved here, uh, my all my cousins were like significantly older than me. Right. Like I was like four. And everybody else was like in high school. Oh wow! Like, yeah. and my brother had just gotten here with me as well. So, I listened to a lot of Biggie, okay. and like listened to a lot of like Wu Tang. So I had a lot of that rap influence. But it wasn't until I got to I want to say middle school, and I heard Missy Elliott. Mm-hmm. It was a rap. <laughs> it was a rap, and I was like, Yo, she does everything because I used to read um, album credits. Yes. On the back of albums, you could pull out that little poster and just start so reading you, everything. So were you seeing, so when you were doing that, were you thinking, or did you have any visions like one day you're going to see my name on the credit? Yeah, because I would just like, her name is on everything. And at the time, like I was really, I played sports, like I played basketball and all that, but I was really just doing it for the sneakers. Yeah. I wasn't really athletic. So my dad was like, let's, let's do Something you might be better at. So from then on, I was just like surrounded by instruments. They got me keyboards, got me the drums, trumpets, saxophones, all that. So from then on, I got like a, the first program I purchased was Reason yeah. to start pro- production. Okay. These beats were, they were long. Because yeah. <laughs> I really wanted to also score like movies and all that. Because I looked up to um, Hans Zimmer. And he does like all the movie scores and all that. And I love gangster movies and those have like the best soundtracks. Yes. So from there, I would just start making beats, start making beats. And then I was like, I could rap. Okay. I could, I could do that. Right. Like, <laughs> so is your passion more um, the artistry and the music piece, producing? What what do you find that you kind of... Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> you navigate through um i'm naturally drawn to the production side of it i really love that like composition i really love sitting down and really just making beats like that's me all day the writing raps comes after i love it but not as much as just sitting down and like i could have beats sitting for like months and not write to them just because i like the beat yeah yeah and so do you have a catalog of beats that you um potentially hope to you know people to purchase from you what, what's your um, what's your goal with that what i want to do is really get like movie placements as far as like a lot of the beats because they are like really really cinematic but in my mind, I would love to like place beats with Tyler the Creator, Pharrell. Um, I would love to co-produce with Pharrell. I'd yeah. probably flip out that day. <laughs> um, I have a few songs for Jay Z. I want to work with Kanye. Like, I just want to work with a lot of the people that I looked up to growing up. Okay, and it definitely sounds like within your family. I know we had we had a conversation previously, and I think you mentioned with like your family. Um, I think your brother does some stuff and been on the uh, um, Project Runway. Yeah, Runway. yeah. So you come from a family of talented folks. Yeah, um, he just did the cover for um, Jagged Edge's 10th album. Yeah. Yeah, he just styled like their cover and their first video. Okay, Yeah, cool. so, so it's lit. Does that, is it, did you guys naturally... Is that kind of a natural thing for you and, and, and your family to do this? Or, or did you kind of, do you feel pressure because you guys are like both are successful, you're doing things, you're out here, you're making moves. You know, what is that like? Um, Me and my brother like are a little to the left. Like everybody else, like my cousins, they all have like really extremely like professional um, careers. Like one of my cousins is like a DA in Arizona. Right. So it's, me and him are more on the artistic side of things, but it came naturally because like my my grandmother, uh, my maternal grandmother is a seamstress. Okay. And so was my uh, paternal grandfather. But my um, paternal grandmother used to write like church hymns and stuff like that. So yeah, and my last name means to like one who plays instruments. So, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's just, it's part of what you <laughs> yeah. in the name. All right. So what is your uh, and can you describe your creative process when you go into creating and producing your beats? And, and then I know afterwards you mentioned writing and, and possibly rapping and putting all the, this together. But kind of walk me through that uh, creative process. for you. Um, it's a little bit split. So half of the time it's like I'll be in the car. I don't necessarily listen to anything when I'm in the car. I'll just sit back and I start humming and putting together melodies and it's all in voice notes. So I probably look like a psychopath in traffic. Like, <laughs> what is she doing? Why, why is she humming into her phone? But I do it like everywhere, grocery store, like everywhere. I just hum into my phone and then I'll get home and then I'll try to lay down. Nothing, what's in your head doesn't always translate musically but you get close enough to it and then the other half of the time I kind of do things based off of like I like to describe my days in colors mm -hmm. so it's like the same way I get dressed so if I wake up and I like say for instance right now I have like a pink shirt on like that's what I'll lean towards it's like brighter sounds or major sounds than like minor chords it's like minor chords are storytelling chords okay so it's like they're more emotional whereas like major chords are more triumphant they're more like they're lively so i do a lot of things based off of like a color scheme in my head oh, i like that that is 
that is, yeah, that's eye-opening about that. So that's pretty cool. And then where do you get your inspiration from? Um, really always seeing and wanting like more. I don't think I've heard me yet. So I, I want to, Pharrell always says to create in a space where like something doesn't exist. So to me, I don't exist. I haven't necessarily heard my story out there, but also just wanting to create, I feel it inside of me. So that's what kind of pushes me to put music out just because like I can really feel, I feel it all the time. I'm always like humming or just like rapping or freestyling just because I can feel that thing. Yeah. yeah. I'm passionate about music, so <clears throat> I can relate, although not creative, <laughs> but just as important. Yes, but you know how we all are. We so when I listen to music, you know, even when I was a little kid, and I know I'm not the only one that goes through this. You know how you listen to an album, you're like, okay, I know they gonna, I know which one's gonna be singles, and I just know because I just I know music and I got an ear for it. But I know I ain't the only one saying that. So, but honestly. Uh, that is something that I have been pretty good at is predicting which songs on albums would be singles and pretty much get it right a lot of the time. So it's just it, that connection I have to music and that ear for it. That ear is important. That's yeah. what, like, what drives yeah. that whole, like the whole industry is driven off of that, that ear. Yeah, it really is. So I ain't going to beat myself up too bad for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When you think about your music, what messages do you want to convey in your music? So, or, or when you write your lyrics, are you just kind of freestyling them? Or do you know exactly kind of met the, the pieces that you want to touch on or topics or things you want to address? Um, I, I would say it's about half and half. The majority of the time, my message is just kind of like um, overcoming. Okay. Like my, I love to say knocked around, but never down. Yeah. So it's just always like the ability to swing back. Like I rely a lot on my resilience. Yeah. So that's the one thing I think that people don't know they're as resilient as they are. Because a lot of times you may count yourself out, but for what? Like even if the odds are at one out of a million, be the one. Oh, yeah. That's it. Like period. Just believe like you're the one, no matter how many times like you have setbacks and things like that. So that's primarily my message. Other times I'll hear a beat and I know exactly like, okay, this is probably going to be, you know, yeah. it's kind of like, uh, what do they say with Nas? And it was like, you have like Uchi Wally and then like <laughs> <laughs> one mic. Yeah. It's like there's a good balance between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. And we're going to talk about your resilience. I know um, I was fortunate to hear a little bit of your story. So when we come back from listening to the introduction of St. Francis, we, I want to talk about your resilience and some of the things that you experienced along your journey. Uh, I think it's important for you know listeners to hear that, and we want to inspire someone with your story. So we'll dive into that when we get back from from you know introducing the listeners to the introduction of St. Francis. But performance. Yes. Have you done any live performances? I've done a couple and it's like taught me primarily to get your core together. Cause like you have a lot of adrenaline going. So like sometimes you'll be out of breath, but like I've been working on like my live performances, but I've, I've performed at a like couple of fashion shows. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. How did it, how did it feel? Um, I feel like a different person. 
but yeah, like I'm always like aware of like who I am in general. Yes. But like that is just like that. I think in my mind, that's what St. Francis feels like. Stace Dillon is just like the calm, cool version yeah. of me. Yeah. <laughs> but you go into that, that, that St. Francis zone. Yeah. You give the people what they what they need, what we love. Yeah. So um new music, are you working on anything? You gonna drop an album? Is anything out there? What, what do we need to know? Yes. Now I have an official concrete date. It's going to be July 29th. Um, I was going to drop a little earlier in the month. Um, however, I'm now coming together with merch. So I want to drop it with, I have an Atlanta hat coming because I'm always Atlanta. Yeah. Always Atlanta. <laughs> so I have an Atlanta hat that I'm dropping with the album. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about the merch because I got to get some too. Oh yeah. Right. oh yeah. Well, let's go ahead and drop this single that you have out now, and then, um, well, before we do that, kind of tell us a little bit about the album. What what should we expect in terms of style, musically, and um, you know, what what what, what are you gonna uh, give to the world? Um, ironically, everything is a story. So the name of the album is Flowers for Stones, Volume One, Devil Be Lying. And it's really about like all the different ways. Like I feel like I was allowing like the devil to whisper in my ear and tell me like I wasn't good enough. And it's like it it kind of is like the catalyst to like procrastination because in your mind you're like I mean nobody's waiting on it. So but it's internally you're waiting on it. Yeah. And you'll feel free if you drop it. But it's like even the um, the beginning the intro song is about the procrastination. I talk about um, also the Trayvon Martin case, Sandra Bland. Um, I also talk about just in general, that 18 hour flight it took to come from Zimbabwe to here and what it meant for my parents and all that they sacrificed for us to be here. Um, I talk about being a dreamer, like the Dream Act, the DACA program. Um, I talk about just like how that stunted that immigration situation kind of stunted my growth for a little bit yeah and how that affected like my relationships and things like that and then i talk about love but just at the end of the album is kind of just like okay this is the triumph this is the t uh, turnaround this is me believing in me yeah. this is like alluding to volume two yeah yeah all right i told y'all she's a storyteller <laughs> so you said july 29th july 29th so y'all stay tuned July 29th, we'll let you know at the end of this podcast how you can cop the music. Oh, yeah. But let's get to your single that you have out now. Why don't you introduce your single and tell us, um, just, just introduce it and take, take us to it. Um, I made the beat first. That's what I'm going to say. And I didn't, I wasn't a paying, I wasn't paying attention to what I was writing. Um, when I got done with the song, I realized it was my introduction. So it's titled The Introduction of St. Francis. And this is the introduction of me. This is the introduction of what's important to me and what I'm about. So you're about to listen to The Introduction of St. Francis. Here we go. You. You know I'm 
slim on introductions Let me pull up at the function Pop my shit up in the front Mercedes Benz like, bitch, it's nothing Not a minute spent stunning Half these niggas that be fronting I'm just living like I'm blessed You trying to force me to be lucky But I'm like, Franny's home Brush the dirt up off my throne In a league I call my own I run a kingdom of my own Had to dust a couple friends That only call me for some loans But when you cut them niggas off That's when they start to throw their stones but fuck it, I'm rolling with it. The punches been gory with them. The drama, they bore me with it. No crying, just go and get it. Just grinding and holding Betty. Just give me a second, nigga. I'm lying, you know I'm ready. At home is where the heart is. The push to start the car is. The kitchen full of markets. Cooking goes the hardest. We reaping on the harvest. Still sow them seeds regardless. If we got it, then we bought it. Let's be honest. Do you really want me out here being modest? Or do you want me to spit some shit that makes you confident and prosper? That shit is tired and exhausted. Quite frankly, I'm appalled that you want me to rap like I ain't got cheat codes within my conscience. You think these niggas ill will baby step into my office? I hiccup, sneeze, burp, poop, fart, and then I vomit. I know that's not ladylike, and you gon' try to shake me like I'm not who God was talking about when he declared that there'd be light. Rumble, black girl, rumble, they don't really want trouble. They would rather scream they hate you than to whisper that they love you. Black girl known to struggle, black girl known to hustle, black girl got the whole world fearing mind is muscle. Heavy hearted, disregarded, still glowing in the darkness. This was founded, this was started by such a lonely mess. It's awkward. States Dylan, Marcus, daughter, St. Francis, musician, August States Dylan is off a rack of St. Francis. You should be honored. You can't meet me in the middle. You ain't make the instrumental. Volume one of fundamentals just to show you I could dribble, rhyme the reason in the Riddle on the roof, but with no fiddle. Mind at war with my emotions, but my spirit keeps it civil. Woke and know what time it is. Ain't focused on no minor shit. Try to take advantage, and you'll find just where the kindness ends. Champagne wishes, caviar dreams. Even when the shit that glitters ain't exactly what it seems. When they ain't think we heavy hitters till they up against the team. 96 Olympians, Scotty Penny and Hakeem. Player president, nah, that's the shit your friends say. Ask me who that is, and I'ma tell you my pretend bay. Still feel like a kid, but I ain't with all that pretend play. I just burnt this shit up and ashed it out like it was Wednesday. St. Francis, stay stillin'. What's up, what's up? So we are back. We just heard the introduction to St. Francis. We know that is uh, telling a story. It's dope as always. And so I want to touch back on, uh, as we were going to the song, you mentioned, you know, we want to focus in on your journey a little bit. And you talked about the subject matter uh, that you'll be touching on in your album. So let's talk a little bit about that. Let's expand on your family coming from Zimbabwe. Uh, Dreamers, um, the Dreamers program, and how all of that had an impact on you, and how that drove you to where you are today. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, now, as an adult, like I get um, the decision making behind like us coming to America. Um, I came here when I was four, so my parents were kind of like in their early thirties. I want to say they were around like thirty, but it's. To me, I now see the impact of them, like you left your entire family like behind. We had a few relatives here, but essentially like we were the first ones in Atlanta. So we moved here in 94, lived in Houston for a little bit, then we lived in Boston, and then we came out here in 99. Um, I appreciate 
that I've gotten the opportunity to like be here. Yeah. Um, it's it makes the I I hear like my grandmother just got here and she tells me all these things about Zimbabwe and you're not like you know it's a third world country. Right. And you think about it being a third world country, but like you don't get how real it is. Like you don't get like power just being out. Yeah. Just out. That's it. It's not like we would call Georgia power in like 20 seconds. Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's been like five minutes and there's no power, but it's like days. It's like water, like there's water sanctions. So the water on the weekends is just like off. Right. Like you, you, you don't think like I know that I growing up in it, I probably could survive through it. But like now I've been like, I'm yeah. kind of privileged. So, yeah, yeah. and I understand that. Um, also, moving from Zimbabwe, coming here when I was four, it makes me a dreamer. So essentially, dreamers are kids that came here when they were too young, but your immigration status hadn't been rectified until like 2012. Okay. So there was a period of time where it's like uh, around when I was like 16, yeah. where you realize like, oh, oh, I'm an immigrant. This is what this means. Like you can't drive. You can't really move on with your life the way your friends are moving on. Right. Um, you can't necessarily go to work the way you want to go to work or the, it's just, it makes your movement really limited. And then also like you realize, oh, this is a thing we also don't really talk about. So you're not telling anybody. You're just kind of like the friend that's like, oh no, I can't go because such and such and such and such. Right. But you feel real displaced because it's like, this is everything I know. I don't know anything else. That's too. Yeah. <laughs> it's like nothing... I don't know anything but America. Yeah. Really, at this point, I don't really know too much but Atlanta. So it's being from here, but being told you're not from here. Yeah. But it's like, what do I go back to? That it wouldn't make sense for your life. So you just you just feel displaced and you feel disconnected. So I went through like a period of like depression, which I talk about in the album as well. Um, and then also on top of that, like. I'm a lesbian, so it's just like you're going through, you feel me? Like you're going yeah. through these things. You, my parents are African, but then they're also like elders. Yeah. So it's just like, how do you how do you navigate that? But you can't really talk about it because it's kind of like, you know, this is frowned upon. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. And it, it wasn't until like I got older that I got more comfortable and just deciding like, no, this is me. Like I'm, I'm here. Um, it's not like a, a character trait or a personality trait. Like in my raps, I'm obviously gonna say her because yeah. I'm talking to her. Right. Not not the singer, obviously. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm 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 speaking to a woman. Right. So it's me just acknowledging that, but it's not like I'm making I'm just living. Like I'm not I'm making it a thing the same way anybody would address anybody else they were interested in. Right. It's just I'm just living. I'm just kind of moving through it, but it was such a large piece of my life that I was also like keeping to myself. Yeah. So you also deal with heartbreak by yourself. Yeah. You know, um, my brother, on the other hand, is like really, he helped me be comfortable with myself because he was just like, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. It's all good. I don't, I don't care about that. Like, you're my best friend. It's whatever. Sound like but, me and my sister. Yeah. Yeah. Siblings yeah. are always like easier to like smooth like yeah. through that it wasn't even like a huge conversation but like with my mom for instance it's like i think she had to go through a period of like all right this is this is difficult for me 
I don't get this, but I, you're my kid, yeah. so I'm here. Right. My item. I feel like my dad. We haven't had the conversation. I know he knows. Yeah. But it's just like I don't think it's anything that he, not necessarily cares to talk about. But I also don't think to him it's an issue okay. at this point. Yeah. So it's like getting through that relationship as well because it's like I'm keeping myself in a bubble. And like, there's my family, but you have to deal with like, people make awkward comments if they don't know and you don't say anything. Yeah, I, I mean, I can totally relate to it. So in all instances, you know, and <laughs> with PKs. Right, you know, right. So that whole thing right there. But yeah, it is um, it's definitely a period of time when you're trying to come into your acceptance and how do you... Uh, manage that with different people and you get it all the time with people making comments and things and you're just trying to figure out how do you do you address it when exactly or and you're also like battling with yourself because you're like i'm trying to pray this out too like i'm trying to fast this out too but it's just like you come to a place where you're like oh this is me like it's not even that deep like it's just it's just me like it's it's like going through puberty like three times yeah like once by yourself (laughs) and then another time like by yourself again and then like now with your parents so it's just one of those things that I'm just kind of like I had to figure out how to navigate through it but now I'm I can openly speak about it like on my album and and just in general um Without it, without me feeling uncomfortable, like not being like, oh, my mom can't hear this song because I'm talking about it. <laughs> like, you feel me? Like, yeah. she's also like, I, my mom hears like all of my songs over and over, just like the ones like with the cousin. You know, we keep it, we keep it like, yeah. <laughs> you can listen to it twice <laughs> and, the, and I'm satisfied. That's it. But like, that's just how I got through that period and that portion, but also in that dimming your own light. Yeah you start like fear is contagious Mm -hmm. you feel me so and it's like the slightest bit of fear will also like just stop you from doing things like no i shouldn't say that no this shouldn't sound like this no i shouldn't do that just because like oh maybe i'm not good enough maybe i don't like you just don't believe in yourself as much because you don't have the confidence of like stepping out because there's so many things that you just weren't confident about before correct so I go through that on my album as well. Yes. this I mean, this is really my format of that. I mean, gosh, I was, I'm, even though I know people know my sexuality, I never really confirm it. Right. And so I was like, what is this going to say about me? And then I was like, well, people already know. So why do you, you know, care? But it's that fear. And it, it was very initially... I was really afraid to talk about it to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And I was at work working with some students and I mentioned the podcast and they were like, so what is your podcast about? And I'm like, oh gosh, you know, these are people I manage and I don't know how they're going to take this. But I said, you know, um, I have to be me. Right? right. And I just told them. And, you know, some people support, some people don't. I can't worry about that. Because I know the purpose of this podcast is really to have impact and give people a voice. Um, and so they don't have to be fearful. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And, and so I, I can relate definitely to that story. I, and I love the fact that you're talking about that. Um, 
that fear, that fear factor and how it impacts you because it, it's that thing that holds a lot of people back from reaching their full potential or any potential. No, completely, because it's like I think of it as it's not a conversation I've had with my grandmother. It's not a conversation I've had like with my aunts or my cousin. So like it's not anything that I've like I haven't confirmed anything. But I also feel like, come on, fam. You feel me? Yeah. <laughs> like, why do I why do I have to say it? If you don't have to say anything, I ain't gotta say anything either. Yeah. yeah. So it's just like whatever. But it's when you're able to be that open though. And just kind of like, oh, all right, this is what it is. Yeah. You move way different. Yeah. You move way different. Because you're just like, yeah, no, now I'm just doing stuff. Like, now I'm just, okay, whatever. I already Um, already got through that. Like, I already walked out the door. I already, that's it. Yeah. No, and I'm so grateful that we even met. Just feel so comfortable. So good. Not for sure. Yeah, yeah, I love it. All right. You've had a tough journey. Yeah. You've overcome, got to this point, you're using this platform for your voice. But I know that there, from a social standpoint, social impact standpoint, you know, what type of change um, are you really passionate about? And really think about how you want to use your platform, your voice to to change that. So what issues really are that's just keeping you up at night or you, you got that burning passion that you're like, you know what, I want to have a voice in this. I want to be part of that change. Um, Definitely uh, immigration policies and like having people understand like what we're talking about when we're talking about immigration. Because from now, I think a lot of the standpoint is like when somebody says immigrant, all anybody's thinking about is Mexico. Right. And that's not necessarily it. Like when you say immigrants, you're talking about Russians, you're talking about like Indian people, you're talking about Japanese people, you're talking about Zimbabwean people, you're talking about all types. You're talking about people from Great Britain. Yeah. Like you're talking about everybody that just wasn't born in America. Like right. it's not, it's not, everybody's not like crossing through a desert. Right. So like people are, I came on a flight. You feel me? Like, <laughs> I drank orange juice like on the flight. Like I came through that way. Right. It's, I came in legally. Yes. You feel me? It's yes. just that I overstayed, but it's just kind of tweaking that conversation because I think when, when people just take it from a standpoint of thinking about like Mexicans, it makes it racial. Yeah. That's it. Like bottom line, you're just making it a racial issue. You don't want to say it out loud, but it's like inadvertently like you're yeah. just being racist. Yeah. That's it. So immigration for sure, but also just like that police brutality. Like it's scary. Yeah, it is scary. I've been watching these videos and I'm like, yeah, we know what happened with the long list of people. And it just continues and continues to happen. And I'm just like But it makes you like paranoid to like live as a person. Like we had a, um, like, you know, they, they have like the censored lights in the house. Yeah. And for some reason, the, one of the outside lights, it's a light that you actually have to turn on from like the attic. So the light was on. So I'm like, tripping, like, why would the light be on? So we call the police. Like I was with my dad, we call the police and come to the house to check it out. So they come inside the house, but I'm just thinking like, okay, you're going to do a walkthrough. But that didn't, to me, 
it it never clicked in my head that okay like they have to take the gun out the holster like holster yeah so he's uh, the police officer is going up into the attic but he takes his gun out the holster and it was like in that immediate moment i was just like oh man this is not it like (laughs) i want you to go now like because anything can happen yeah anything can happen and like especially now no yeah we had their body cam but that doesn't necessarily mean like Stuff still happens. Right. Exactly. And more than likely, you're not guilty. Yeah. Allegedly. Right. So (laughs) it's one of those things where I'm just like, yo, kids just want to get home. Yeah. Like people just want to see their kids get home. Right. Like fathers, mothers just want to get to like their families. And people are being like robbed out of like life opportunities just off of the strength of like that miscommunicate it's not i don't even think it's miscommunication i I just think it's like doing whatever you want to do yeah but this is this is a human life and and the fear right because we're creating we have fear then when they get attacked they have fear and now everybody just fearing exactly and reacting it's like you almost wish that you could like now like you know when you get pulled over you can be like just airdrop my ticket (laughs) (laughs) you don't even have to come to the window like that like but it's just you have that fear everywhere yeah and that like there's too much tension but also just those stories of like trayvon martin just trying like why are you following me fam right like even like sandra like let her get home you let her get like all for what? Yeah. And just for everybody to not be guilty. Yeah. That it doesn't it to me it doesn't sit well with me because now you're forcing people to have conversations with their kids that I know everybody's not having with their kids. I, and then it t- comes from a space of like, okay, so you just do whatever they say, you can still get yeah, by. Yeah. I, I mean, and I just saw a video yesterday where a guy had bought his son a 16 year old car his 16 year old a new car for you know his birthday and he literally had built uh, well he just had this this thing that had all his ids on it mm-hmm. and he's like just and he's showing us walking us through how he's got his son with his hands out right his hands out don't move he slung the, the thing on top of the car yeah has his driver's license is um, car insurance, all of that in it. And he's like, be able to tell the officer everything he needs up there. Mm-hmm. When he tells you, you can relax, put your hands back in the car, don't move. Right. Just stay there until he can tell you that you are free to go. Right. And it's, it, I mean, although we probably do need to train our, our kids on how to react, because right now they, they have that, they feel like their rights are being violated, so they don't have a lot of respect for the police anyway right now it's um it's also heartbreaking to see that we we i mean i guess it's we have to be conscientious now about how we react because we may not make it home no completely and and, and there's got to be some better conversations some better training some better reactions to some of to, to what is happening and all these stories of these people dying in police custody and nobody knows what happened there's no recordings of it. It's bullcrap. Of course, but then it also breeds like a, the 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 thought of like you're inferior or you need to like be fearful of this person because they're in a higher position than you. 
And that's a terrible thing to have to like teach little kids. Yes. Like that's a terrible like energy to have to give little kids because let's be honest, like I, I don't, it, blackness is powerful. It is powerful. like built societies kind of powerful. Oh, yeah. And it's, and I, now I understand the fear from that standpoint. I get it. I get it. Cut it. You want to replicate it. Yeah. You can't, you want to cut something great down before it outshines you. But at the same time, like, I don't want, I don't want anybody of any minorities to grow up, um, whether they're black, um, Spanish, whatever. I don't want them to grow up and feel like there's this body that I need to be fearful of because, and I'm lower than, that's not the case. Yeah, no. So definitely, I'm glad that you uh, will use your platform to have impact in this way and make a change in the world. Uh, that is important. I love when artists actually have uh, a point of view and they leverage um, their artistic and their creative, their their artistic abilities and creativity to uh, have impact um, outside of just living for the moment, living for the industry, living for the cloud, living for the limelight. But they are actually doing something with that uh, messages. Love it. All right. So basically, for me, uh, where can we find you at? summer what, what you got going on this summer and into the fall um this summer it's all about it's a, i'm about to go starting like in july about to go like on a mad campaign for this album so really it's all going to be digital so releasing a lot of visuals um getting these hats and the merch together but um at stace dylan on all plat well really let me not say all because it's really just like twitter and instagram i said it like i had facebook but um, <laughs> other than that, um, July 29th, also the website will be live. Okay. So it's going to be the first, that's going to be the day the album drops. It's going to be the day the merch drops. And I'm, I'm still kind of teetering on whether I drop the first vi video that day or just kind of like do a promo until yeah. then and just kind of push a video, but probably drop the video that day and just kind of clip it out until. Okay. So all July. I like this. Yeah. We got a plan. All July, y'all heard that. She gonna flood y'all time. All July. Stay still. Yeah. All right, so <clears throat> I want to give you this moment to just leave us with what you think is, you know, what's on your heart, whatever you want to share. Um, take us out. Tell us. Yeah. How much time do you want? I, I got you. I got you. So um, again, I always want to leave on a on a positive note. Um, the name of the brand that my hats are, well, the Atlanta hats and my brand is going to be Happy People. That's H-A-P-P-I-P-E-E-L-E. -E -E. Um, the concept behind that was that, again, like knocked around, never down. Nothing's perfect. And we're not always having like the brightest of days, period. But it's relying on your own resilience and kind of relying on those around you that are strong enough to like anchor you up and hold you up. Um, it creates happy people. Yeah. I think no matter what you're going through, you have to guard your happiness because your happiness is going to be like the key to your mental health and your stability. If you can't get in contact or touch that happiness, you're separated from who you really are. Right. Like babies are mad happy. Like, <laughs> no care in the world. like we were born happy. Yes. You feel me? And we should exist happy and continue to be happy until 
that's it. That's that's the till the, the curtains are closing. Yes. And it's important to be in touch with that. So I know the world looks crazy right now. I know like there are a lot of things happening in the news designed to tear us down. I know there are a lot of things that happen at our jobs that we have to put up with that are designed to tear us down. But maintaining that happiness, maintaining that jo- that joy, like watch a comedy special, do something. Yeah, find something. Like, you know what I'm saying? Keep jokes going for like the actually funny people. Let me say actually <laughs> funny people. <laughs> but um, do something that lightens your spirit up and try to get in contact or do that thing every day to maintain that level of, of happiness. And when even when you feel those bad days coming, that's cool to feel that too. But always just maintain like your your peace of mind because we, we really want to promote like happy people. I love it. I can't wait to purchase. <clears throat> I want to purchase and support the merch. So I'll be definitely on your page looking and copying some stuff. Well, I want to thank you. This has been great. It's I mean, thank you for you. having me here. Oh, you know, I always when you make it to the table. So, you know, <laughs> I'm glad you're here. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's been a pleasure. I mean, I know you're dope. I think you're just super dope. I am amazed at you. I appreciate uh, you. Just brilliant. Listen, you say that, but this is actually, I mean, I'm, I still haven't. I haven't seen like a podcast set up like this. Oh, like you feel me? Yeah. Like this, you're like you're in here. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm this, gonna take officially this. out. It is no, it's official. No games, no games. Like I wish I were here to see this, but like I, it's official. It's a, I'm you. like super proud of you because like you, I'm I met you at the barbershop. Yes. And you were talking about it. Yeah. But like usually when people talk about it, you know, what I'm saying you see it and you're like. Oh, Okay, I see you. All right, all right. But you're like, no, I'm coming out number one, like right now. Like I'm swinging hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, no, I'm serious about my. I was serious about this, and because this was part, this was really in my heart about. I always fight for the, you know, it, it, I'm not mad at anybody for working hard to get popular and all those things, but I always fight for those that are trying to make it. I just want to see people win. That is my big thing, is making sure people win. So I just had to do this, and I had to make sure I do it right. Man, I appreciate you letting me come here and, and take my shot at it and, and oh, give yeah. me the opportunity, man. No, we gonna get you out of that. Oh, yeah. Y'all oh, stay yeah. tuned. It's gonna, y'all gonna just stay tuned. Look for Stace Dillon. She's coming. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. She's about to take over. Oh, yeah. The dopest. St. Francis. St. Francis. Trying to do it. Yes. All right. Yes, sir. All right. All right. What's cool, good people? It's your girl, Stace Dillon, and I have officially been outed.